Idaho Podcast is a production of Impulse Radio. Carson's our way, Mike Man, homecoming, free fair band, Kim Atkins, Debbie Scott is dancing, Ferguson on the book, third grade with Don Cook, Lance Smith, Jeff Flynn, Lucia Jamerson, Waco, Warren P, Pat O'Brien, and Terry, David King, Blue White Game, worthy of the Hall of All right, there are a lot of things you could be doing and listening to right now, and we are glad you chose to listen to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Got the whole gang on board tonight. First, we're going to go south of Bridgeport, right in the heart of one of the biggest farming dynasties in the state of Illinois, Mr. David King. How you guys doing? Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back, Dave. Been a while, Dave. Yeah, it has been. That's two in a row. We always say you're on assignment. Do you want to talk about your assignments for Impulse Radio and the podcast? Where all it's taken you and uh, last uh, last one I missed. I think it caused two two absences, but uh, family trip to Seattle. Nice for a wedding. For how, a wedding. How so. was Seattle? Was good. It was good. Yeah. Awesome. And then we'll throw it up to uh, North Central Illinois. Teacher extraordinaire, Mr. Charles Lynn Chip Jamerson. All right. Good to be back. It's the first week of high school football here in Illinois. And I think we've got a good one tonight. Yes. For the fa- for the Red Hill fans on their on the long drive to Sarah Gordo this weekend. That they can we'll have this up before that Friday evening drive to Sarah Gordo. Yeah, that'd be great. This would be a great listen on the way up yeah. there. Yeah. We're going to talk about the 1995 Red Hill football season. Now, not the 1996 season, though we eventually will go deep into that season as well. That's the one you're probably more familiar with. But this one is a team maybe you don't hear as much about, but had a very a very good season. And we'll kind of get into that as we go. And we actually have a special guest on the show. And Gary, would you like to introduce our special guest? Absolutely. I'm, we're, we're real excited to have this 1982 Red Hill graduate, student athlete, graduated from at least Chip and I's alma mater, Eastern Illinois graduate as well, married Miss Monica Cunningham in 1994, joined Red Hill's teaching ranks and staff in football and baseball. He's done it all. He got to coach his own two, two sons in football. We're very, very happy. A uh, person I like to call a good friend, Tony Gaither joins us today, everybody. Hello, fellas. And the crowd goes wild. They yeah. do go crazy. Some of them probably boo, don't they, Tony? I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, you may have heard a little bit about Tony Gaither in our last episode. Uh, on the quarterback episode, we were talking about his quarterback, Steve Potts, but uh, Gaither had a big season in 1981 in the backfield for the Red Hill Saluki. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode right before this one, I'm on the way home from Sarah Gordo, it's a funny story because I was supposed to have to be the quarterback and coach Huff said, if you don't find somebody to be quarterback, you will have to do it. Is that right? <laughs> so I went and recruited two guys. That's great. Yeah, and that was the, you took a few lumps that season, right? If I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Lumps yeah. is an understatement. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. But you got to love the game. Gator, you. It's all about chasing the rabbit. You played football. Did did you? You played baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you you play? You didn't play basketball, did you? Did not. Okay. 
How yeah. was it back back then, like playing for Coach? How would you describe now that you coached and you coached with Coach Evans for a long time? How would you describe playing for Coach Huff? Well, I always told people that the reason why I wanted to be a football coach had a lot more to do with Coach Huff than it did with Coach Evans because he had a love for that sport. If he had two free minutes and a doodling pad, he would draw up about 15 plays. Really? He just always. And then he'd be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he got me to the point that in study hall, that's all I did is I would draw up an offense, yeah. draw up a defense, then try to figure out how I could beat each each one. What, yeah. do, what do you think was – it seems like you had good sp- – you know, good specialty players, good quarterbacks. Obviously, when Shank and and Hawkins and those guys in the backfield, in you know a year or two later or before, what it seems like he had talent. Was it a line issue? What was it that that just couldn't quite get it get it going? Well, you guys have done enough broadcasts to know there was some talent on that basketball floor. They just weren't on the football field, right? And. When it came to linemen, you know, we had three returning lettermen in, in that season in the 81-82 year because all the talent was in front of it. And all of those other boys did not play. Yeah. I think, you know, for as big as our senior class may have been that last year, only three guys returned as lettermen. So it wasn't uncommon for the play to get called. And then we would divide up into groups yeah. and tell them what it is there to do. Yeah. Was it? I I don't remember which year it was we just covered, but yeah, there was uh, um, there were times when well one of the games got cut short because you ran out of players. You know, you're down. That was a, yeah, that was my senior year. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. We just didn't have any depth. I mean, if you took freshmen off that team, we had maybe twenty kids. Yeah, right. Maybe not even that. Well, that wasn't a problem for the 1995 season. I tell you what, let's take a real quick break for one of our sponsors, and then we will be back, and we're going to dig into the 1995 football season right after this. Hey, you want to talk pizza? I do. And when we do, we talk Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. You know where they're located? Right across the road from the dog pound. It's going to get busy here in just a few weeks football season starting and there's nothing better before or after a football game than a good Bridgeport style pizza and the August pizza of the month at the Pizza House is back by popular demand. It's the Philly Cheese Steak Pizza. They take that Alfredo sauce as the base and layer on grilled Philly meat along with sautéed peppers and onions and then throw on the mozzarella and then they bake that bad boy to perfection. You can get a 10-inch for $10.99 or a 14-inch for $17.49. So give them a call. 945-FOOD, that's 945-3663 to order that or one of your other favorite pizzas. You know they're closed on Mondays, but Tuesday through Saturday, 4 to 9, first Friday, of every month they're open for lunch 11 to 1. Don't forget they can deliver it to you. Go pick it up. Dine in. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House 945 Food All right, we are back. Going to dive into 1995 football season. First, I'm going to take a real quick look at the 94 season. Um, Red Hill finished with a loss to Lawrenceville, so they dropped their last five games, finished two and five. Um, 
overall one and six in uh, in the conference. And uh, so Evans said after that Lawrenceville game in '94 that he looked ahead to better days. The Salukis lose just six seniors from uh, from that year's squad. We've got some good young kids coming back and should win some football games next year. And that's exactly what they planned on doing. Tony, the, uh, '94 that was your first season when you were coach with, uh, of course, Coach Evans and uh, Lyles, and then I think. Uh, Fowler was there. That was his last year. And then, Fowler, yeah. And you joined the staff that year, was that right? And that was, was that 94, your first year teaching too? Yeah, yeah. And you took over for Mr. Drury, is that right, if I remember right. that right? Yeah. I started about two weeks before the school year started. I actually was an assistant coach at Doblong for the summer. And then when Drury left, this opening came. So I switched from Oblong's practice to Red Hill's practice. You know, but I had scouted for Bill – from the time that I graduated, I went on the road and would take yeah. his immense packets of scouting material. Did you go – was you and Laughlin? Or who did you go with? Usually it was Mike Mann. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yes, I forgot all about that. I'm sure there's some stories came out of those scouting trips, if I've heard of – I've heard some stories about those before. Maybe not safe for the air, but maybe <laughs> some other time. Yeah, I don't think we'll share them here. I think there's a few uh, former Red Hill coaches that have those stories for sure. Uh, I do have – before we get going, I've got a, a listener question from a C. Lyles wanting to know why oh, you suck so much. <laughs> I wondered how long it would take until that happened. <laughs> But let's jump into 95. Um, Big-time roster. Didn't have the problem that, that we just talked about with Gator his senior year. 52 players out for football. The uh, They talk about that they have a, a blend of youth, experience, and they're hoping right off the bat in the first article in the Daily Record talking about they're already talking about playoffs. And, and so they think they've they've got a, got a real good chance. And, and you look at the roster in those newspapers, and I know you guys did, it's very so. Not very often you see that that length of a roster for uh, for Red Hill. Uh, I think something we talk about a lot, like with Coach Evans, and we talked about like turning the corner. And that '94, I'm sorry, the '93 team winning record, first winning record, of course, since uh, since '88, and then you know didn't have the tough season two and seven in '94. But Coach Evans knew brighter days were coming. I think, and he knew what he had. And not only did he have a, a heck of a group of juniors, but you had, you had some other kids too uh, joining that team that were younger, that were uh, big and strong. And, uh, you know, Tony, what, what kind of players do you remember, at least from the preseason before we get going here? What did you think coming in second year coach? What, what were you thinking about the team? Well, I remember distinctly talking to him about getting in the hallways and getting all the bodies out that we could. And he said, I'm not going to go chase those people that don't want to play. And I said, I will. And we went and got kids that hadn't played. And one of them will come up big in the, in the future because uh, Eric Warren was a heck of an offensive lineman. And huge. I mean, he was big. I mean, he was you know, big sometimes player. with these kids, all you got to do is go ask. Yeah. Yeah. Just be asked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like eight seniors came back, 18 Letterman and Coach Evans talked about a lot of those kids. That it wasn't like a kid just on the kickoff team, you know, that got, got some quarters in or the kickoff yeah. return team. But it was uh, – these were kids that had played. So, you know, taking their lumps at two and seven, knew going into the season, looking at it, probably knew you had a pretty good chance to compete that year. Oh, yeah. Our fresh soft team was super competitive. Yeah. And we knew that – we walked on a, quite a few uh, fresh soft games. So, we knew that – 
we had what it took if they could stand up to the punishment of the conference. You know, conference was tough. And oh. If you were young, you could be exposed pretty quickly. But uh, we knew that we had some salt. It's, well, and, you know, like it looked like just going back and looking, I was looking at the 1994 uh, article, and I think you had Todd Hardacre, uh, was going to be the quarterback that year. And I know he talked about Billy competing. And I think Billy, his sophomore year, was like 5'11", 140 or something. And then, you know, yeah. the starting off, he's 6'2", 160 starting this. So he obviously got – grew and got stronger and got a lot more athletic. And you had Brandon Tully coming back that played a lot the year before. You had a senior, Jeremy Marinholtz, that was, that, that was on the team. But, you know, I was looking – I basically drew up a depth chart of this team. And it's like, whole, I mean, it was – it was low. I mean, it really was for, for Red Hill. You don't see number one that you have some kids not having to play both sides of the ball, which is that's right. Fun. And it made for good practice. And that's half that, the battle. If you can yeah. have good practice, absolutely, you can be competitive. Because if you face somebody like, like the people that we're talking about, practice isn't any, or a game isn't any tougher than practice. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure you were, I know you were when you played, there were probably times when you had to just practice half and had, you know, one side of the line to run your plays. Yeah. And that, like you say, it's not only big for game day, but, but definitely huge for practice. Um, it was funny, David Staver's article in the Vincent's uh, paper. And and we've talked before, just our, our sports writers back then were just so good i mean with with joe yes. jones and and they took i mean not that writers bill richardson was fantastic they yeah. take it, it's good when they take it seriously you mm-hmm. know and that's exactly oh, yeah. what those guys they did but it. but i loved uh it, it says this is how staver's article started red hill coach bill evans discussed his team position by position after the third time coach evans said wait a minute i left someone out and grinned he said i've never had this problem before <laughs> and, uh, and staver said his problem was one that he's been dying to have Ed, evans actually has a depth chart a real one one that includes not one or two players at each position but three or four and that's as much as anything why they were talking about playoffs in August. Especially when you throw injuries in there. Right. And and at that time in the conference that we played in, you were going to have injuries because it was a it was a hard hitting. Let's I'm gonna run over the schedule real fast and then we'll just jump right into week one and how we've kind of decided to do this. I'm gonna kinda play pigskin picker with Joe Jones and, and read his after we introduce the the week and then we'll let these guys run with it. August 25th, they open up at Palestine. Then they make the long trip to Salem. And then at home against Mount Carmel on September 8th. September 15th, the homecoming game uh, against Carmi. September 22nd, Fairfield, followed by Olney, Flora, of course, Oblong, and Lawrenceville. So we'll just jump right in here. And week number one, Joe Jones gave a real good breakdown of, of what we got going on and Palestine probably not looking to be a huge a huge threat especially with the with the team they've got number one song in the country was a kiss by a rose by seal I think chip is that his only he may have had one more decent size hit. Right? I, I know he's very popular, and but that, I, but I can't. That's his biggest song for sure. I yeah. think he had some. I think he had some others. Yeah, he definitely had some others. But yeah. no, Brian, I cannot think of any yeah. any others. All right, new uh, movies at the time to set the stage. Babe, the movie about the pig, is on over at the plaza. Waterworld with uh, Kevin Costner. 
and the Babysitter Club is on. So Red Hill, Palestine, Red Hill, uh, expect this to be the year of the dogs. He runs over everything, and then Joe makes his pick, and he's going to pick the Red Hill Salukis by 21 points. And guys, talk about what happened. Well, I think one of the things that we just mentioned about the luxuries that Red Hill finally has with all the numbers Palestine had 21 kids on the team total. So you can't, you talk about using half lines and doing this stuff. So, and Tony is for as long as I can remember too, Palestine every year, first game of the year, you know, it's hot and humid and whatnot. They always had kids that pulled up lane with cramps every Sammy. I never remember playing them that that wasn't a problem for them. So for whatever reason, I'm not sure why that was, but you know, you go in with only 21 kids and playing a a red old team. That's, that's pretty much stacked. Um, the game wasn't a blowout. Tony, do you have remembrance of the old Palestine game? I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember that we did well early and they folded up the tent. And yeah. that's when you see the uh, cramps and the injuries that may or may not occur. You know, Billy, I don't care remember if Billy started at all or if it was um, Todd the whole year. The previous think, year. And, and Evans did this a couple of different times. He did it with Mike Moore. And uh, he would uh, start the senior or the upperclassmen. And then depending on how things went, there'd be a transition time where he would throw the younger one out there and say, let's just see what happens. Well, Billy gets his probably, I think was, was his first start. Billy may have to correct us, but you know, he comes out and has a, just a fantastic game throwing the ball 11 to 13 for like 228 yards, 29 yards, something like that through a touchdown pass. So, you know, coming out of, out of the gates and having, you know, talking about giving a kid confidence to mm-hmm. start off a season against, you know, the NEC schedules looming uh, had to be a pretty good start. You don't see high school kids though, go 11 for 13 very often. I don't care. Even playing skeleton against no defense, you don't see 11 for 13 very often. But he was surprisingly good as a sophomore. I mean, he wasn't doing any – I'm sorry, in a fresh soft game. He wasn't doing anything in that varsity game that Bill and the staff had not seen him do in a fresh soft game. So we knew he had it in there. It was just, you know, are you going to be able to match up with the higher-level players? Right. Defense uh, played pretty good. He gave up less than 100 yards total. Offense, you know, had a pretty good showing. Uh, let off with Jeremy Marinholt has a 15-yard touchdown run. Then uh, young Freddie Akers is getting in there to play. He has a touchdown run. Palestine scored in the middle there. So I know in the article, post post game article, I don't, I don't think coach was uh, coach was completely happy with 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 the outcome. You know, you get a win. You win 29. You win. Uh, what was it? The final score was 29 to six. Um, Joe Jones had a 21 point favorite, yep. so he was good line there He's by Joe. Right on. Joe's already uh, Joe's already uh, hot on that. Looked like Josh Young and Chris Allen had fumble recoveries, um, and Josh was only sophomore. Was he a freshman? Sophomore, yeah, he was just a sophomore that year. So you know, uh, already a big old big old mule at that point, though. So uh, he was already playing playing well. But so game ends on a Jerry Marinholtz twenty two yard touchdown pass from Billy. That's going to be, that's going to end it. So, I mean, Palestine was really never in the game. So it's always good to start off one and zero. And we know that, you know, coming up after that, what wounds go ahead, Chip. Well, and I was just the uh, coach Evans quote, you mentioned that he wasn't uh, real excited after this win. And so I'll pull one of his quotes from the paper here. We're, we're all excited about the 52 players that Brian mentioned, but it, as coach Evans says, it kind of disrupts the old philosophy of the more players you have, the better you'll be. 
we looked like an army warming up out there, but then we played when we played, it all came down to execution. And there were a lot of times when we didn't execute very well. So um, there's still work to do leading up to Salem. Gator, how much does that have to do with the fact that, you know, we're talking playoffs in August. We look over like heck happened on teams that I played on from the other side when Salem would bring out 95 kids and look at us, you know, that's got 24. How much does that has to do? Maybe doesn't get off to a great start, but to do with your opponent as much as it does you. It has everything to do with it. I mean, you see it at every level. I mean, you could watch a Division One game and see the, the same thing when you watch one of those ranked teams pull up into a, a town that has a small school, and it's just not the same. Yeah. you tired of banks that don't care about you or the community? I know I just closed an account this past week. is one we never used anymore, but I got to look, and heck, all we were doing was paying fees. They could have noticed that. But probably not a bank that looks out for you and and the community. Not like People's State Bank and their four convenient locations in our our area in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. Stacy Moore, one of the all-time great Salukis and his team will look out for you. And like they always do, just take a look at their Facebook page. They're involved in everything, not only in our community, but in all the other communities that they serve as well. Go see them for a personal touch, not the big banking, non-personal relationships that you get other places. Go see People's State Bank, Lawrenceville and St. Francisville, but more importantly, Sumner and Ridgeport. People's State Bank, a bank for our community. Well, we go to week two. That's uh, we're going to open up September. September first is is when this happened. We got a new number one song, David King. How familiar are you with "You Are Not Alone" by Michael Jackson? I'm aware of it. Oh man, <laughs> I love my, that not song. Of, not one of my favorites. Though. Okay, I, I, I like. I think it's a solid song. <laughs> it's yeah, it's solid. It's, it's good. It's just not. I wouldn't put it in my top ten of his. That was it's during not the Billy Jean. That, that was the Lisa Marie video, right? I uh, think so. That I think sounds so, right. Yeah. And Bubbles, I think. <laughs> uh, at the movies, um, just not much change, but we got Virtuosity, Mortal Kombat, something to talk about, Bushwhacked, and Waterworld hanging on there at the theater. So September 1st, 1995, and here we go, Red Hill at Salem. Joe Jones says the Slukies were less than impressive against an outmanned Palestine team last week, but came away with the 29-point win. I love they say the NEC's top passer in junior Billy Gray and the top receiver in Jeremy Maryland-Holtz. Salem had dropped their first game to Centralia, and uh, with the last win over the Wildcats had been uh, in 1977 in Salem. So Salem coming in at 0-1, we're 1-0. And the pick is Red Hill by three. Joe. Wow. Wow. We come into this game with a a six and 50 all time against Salem. And he's going with Red Hill on this six and 50. Haven't, haven't beaten Salem since 1983. And and you know how long of a drive it is over this. 1988. (laughs) Right. Haven't beat them at Salem since 1983. What was my question is if we'd ever beat them at Salem. I mean, we have to leave on Thursday afternoon. 
Tony, like during in your second year, were you already coaching? Which was what was your responsibility for the team? Was coach having you do the line yet, or was he still? What was what was your responsibility oh, yeah. as a coach this season? I was uh, offensive and defensive line coach, and then I was special teams coach. So half the practice I was on the side with Bill, and we were working on that part. And then the other part of practice was with Lyles, and then I got to go do special teams. How much more would you more. have? How much more would you have put in? after Palestine would, would you think you had everything in mostly already or is there is this a week that you're really adding stuff to both both sides of the ball well we were still young so as far as adding stuff we never really came in and just added a bunch of stuff like every week we'd add two or three plays that we thought might be a play that would uh, cause them to struggle so we added as we went. And by the end of the year, we had a heck of a lot more plays than we had at the beginning of the year. And yeah. we, we were young enough. We weren't going to try to recreate, you know, Spurrier's offense or anything at this time. We're still essentially, I think we hadn't gone to the run and shoot. I think we were still pretty well the wishbone. No, no, this, this is, is about when we did it. Yeah, th- this was the first year that uh... – you know, and I went back and watched the highlight tape too. That uh, that Brandon Tully's put all the highlight tapes up, which is fun to go watch. But I think Bill had put that in a little bit in '94. We ran it a very little in '91. Didn't do anything but wishbone in '92. A little bit '93. I think a little bit more '94 and then '95. He knew he had the horses to to do it. He had a much more had a good offensive line and you have good skill kids and that's the that's the kind of kids you can do to to run that offense. I don't so, know if if Bill had talked about it, but he had gotten a book from somebody who did the run and shoot and had he us did through. talk about that. And uh, we started to try to implement that because we knew we had some guys that could play well in space during this time. And the best thing we could do was try to get them into situations where they, they could operate in space. Gary, was that, else was, doing. was that mouse Davis? Did he, did he create that? The run? Uh, we talked, I, I know in the, on the coach Evans episode, I think you said a name and he said that was right. And I, I, don't I think it was right mouse right, Davis that came up with the run. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's so. the name I was thinking. So you're, you're, I think that's the one we brought up with him. Yeah. Well, we go to Salem, and uh, no trip. surprise to anybody here, Wild Bill Evans is going to – he's going to get things going early. Did he reach into uh, his old bag of tricks? His old bag of tricks. We did go to <laughs> – we went to halftime scoreless. So, you know, uh, oh, wow. again, a lot of times Salem, they were kind of known. They were an offensive team, and then they mm. used to score a lot, a lot of points, and they ran the run and shoot too. That was uh, – they were – they used to do a lot of that in the wishbone. It was very similar offenses uh, back then between, between Red Hill and Salem. Um, the Red Hill opens up scoring with three minutes to go in the third quarter. Jed Wilson, an 18-yard pass from not Billy Gray, but Freddie Akers. Oh, wow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that's the old Cowboy <laughs> sweet pass that Bill saw the sweet passes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you start out talking about the first half was zero to zero. And that was a pretty big deal for us yeah. just because. Oh, sure. Hey, guess what? We- this is Salem, and we're right there. Wow. And you could see that the confidence Great. and we made a few different defensive stands during that time. I don't know if they were overlooking us, even though they'd lost to Centralia, but uh, you could tell that our confidence was building. I'm sure we're going to talk about the option pa- uh, option play. That's next. I was going to talk, but I did want to say zero, zero halftime in Salem. You got to feel good. Cause my freshman, oh, yeah. we, were, we were down 60 to nothing at halftime. I was going to say every, my sophomore, junior, senior year, we're down 
49 or 50 to nothing each time. And they basically just put in their fresh off. Yeah, we held them scoreless in the second yeah, half. We, yeah, we held them scoreless in the second half. And, and they'll have 70 or even 80 kids out there. I mean, yeah. they filled up to the yeah. 50 with kids. So yeah, for the home games, they're dressing everybody for, for yeah. those for sure. So we uh, we go on to score. Let's see. We now score 6 nothing going into the fourth quarter. So still feeling good and confident, but not too good yet. With nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and this is the play Tony was talking about, it's, it's listed as a Brandon Tully 50-yard run. But that doesn't really do it justice from the way the play play. I mean, it was a, it was a, an option that whoever whoever created the triple option offense, this was the way you want to draw it up because Billy takes the fakes to the fullback, Chris Allen, and he roll and he's rolling, and Brandon stays with him for like I don't know, it was like twenty or thirty yards. It looks like to me. And right before Billy goes down, he put perfect pitch to to uh, Brandon Tully, and Brandon takes it in for the rest of the touchdown. But it was picture perfect option. You couldn't draw it up any better. Yeah, you don't you don't remember a lot of plays, but this play I can still remember. The corner came down on the dive, and we got the end hook. So Billy made it to the corner, and the safety had to roll over to get him. So you know we're 15, 20 yards down the field, and when the safety goes to get Billy, he just chucks it over to Brandon, and there's nobody around him. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Just it's perfect when you when you, yeah. you ever watch that. It's just and it was on our sideline. It was on our sideline, which made it better because we could see it was going to happen before it actually happened. Wow. That's even more enjoyable. No kidding. Then Salem comes back. So let's see here. Salem scores um, two minutes and 34 seconds ago in the fourth quarter. They have a five-yard run, and we get the ball back, and we're going to be able to salt it away there. So, uh, you know, you come out of of Salem with a 12-6 or 2-0 for the first time since 88. Feeling pretty good, even though we didn't play great the first game. I think in this game, I don't care. Everyone's feeling pretty good. Uh, Chip, do you have any of the post-game comments? Well, yes, I do have one here. So, at the there at the end of the game, you talked about we salted it away. Our Coach Evans quote from this game, it was one of those situations where we get ahead, get excited, and give it back. Past Red Hill teams may have done that. This might have happened last year, but this time we held on. Talks about the maturity of the team. Uh, the experience we have and bodes well for the rest of the season. And just as you mentioned, some of these names here, one thing I think about back when we were playing 1990, when coach Evans returned after his one year hiatus, hiatus, we, uh, and we kind of talked about this on the coach Evans episode, he kind of re uh, how he was going to, he was going to take control of the junior pro um, program at that time we talked about. And these are those kids. I remember I when we were practicing at the high school, they would come in and practice after us in the practice field. These are the, these are the names. These are the kids that were yeah, that totally Billy Gray. These are those kids who were in like sixth grade then. And, Definitely the fruits off, of that. Man. So yeah, definitely the fruits of that. Now, did you guys go to this game? Do you remember? No, I was not uh, at this game. We were at Charleston actually at a, at a uh, at an establishment and got word uh, got word through. We think maybe Brandon Smith. We're not sure, but we word, word word didn't travel easy in 1994. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody had to get on the landline and, and call somebody in Bridgeport, and we got when they got that, home uh, from Salem. So Red Hill, that Red Hill just won at Salem was like. Yeah, First of all, we, we didn't believe it. 
Yeah, that's we knew what, these guys were for real now. That, yeah, that exactly. that's that's what that's what makes you know, it. You know, I just now, this just now hit me. Sometimes we should just call Waco and ask the football scores. I just I forgot all about that. Oh, you know what? I forgot. Diana may have done that that night. That might have been what it was. <laughs> yes, I do. I yeah, I probably did that a bunch of times. That's true. Well, I, I, can I never thought we would go there and get the playoff results. We would go to Waco. Oh my god! So we could try to figure out who it was we were going to play. Yeah. on that Friday night. My how we were coming. We let them know we were coming, so they how, were ready. For us. How things have how things, things have changed. A tad, a tad different now. Well, I do have breaking news. The run and shoot offense was invented by Glenn Tiger Ellison. That's uh, the one looks like in in the 50s he saw some kids playing in a schoolyard and decided to go home and draw it up but mouse davis was the first big time college coach to use it at portland state and then his name's all over this list as offensive coordinators he ended up taking it to the to the uh, nfl but june jones is the other guy that was was a real big running I did, I did want to make mention of this game, though, talking about the defense obviously playing so well and giving up six points. Had five takeaways. Uh, Billy Gray had two interceptions. Freddie Akers had an interception. And Billy Powden had an interception. And then Josh Young for the second game in a row has another fumble recovery. So I mean, five takeaways in a high school. You don't get that many uh, possessions in a high school football game. So taking it away five times is uh, pretty impressive. And Salem did end that game after they scored. They did receive, did it, they did get the onside kick, but then we. We did hold them. So wow. sometimes you feel like all the heartbreak Red Bulls had over the years and different games and things like, oh, shit, here we go. They got the onside kick, but uh, we did hold them and and uh, forced one of those turnovers to, to end that game. All right, week three, September 8th, you know what's coming up. But before that, it's Gangster's Paradise from Dangerous Minds by Coolio oh gosh, and I want to make LV. At, at the establishment we were at that night, I yes, think Gangster's Paradise was on loop. It was on loop. It was the only song that played that Gangster's night. Paradise, though? <laughs> yeah. Somebody put on repeat and no one changed it. <laughs> I Where did I just – oh, you ever watch that movie or that uh, television show that Jamie Foxx hosts Shazam where you have to just – People have to buzz in and name the song real fast. Well, anyway, that was on there the other night, and I always knew this was by Coolio. I didn't know it was Coolio featuring LV. That was news to me on that. I wouldn't have got that one. But anyway, yeah, it's listed on on Billboard Hot 100, number one, Coolio featuring LV, Gangster's Paradise. But we're going to Mount, or we're playing at home against Mount Carmel. Here's what Joe Jones said. At opposite ends of the spectrum from Lawrenceville and Carmi, the Salukis and Golden Aces vie for the top spot in the mm-hmm. NEC. Red Hill is 2-0 for the first time since 1988. After last week's 12-6 win over Salem, Mount Carmel whipped Harrisburg 33-19 and humbled defending conference champion Fairfield 36-0 last week. Mm. The Salukis have depth and talent, have proven they can pull the upset on Mount Carmel. Remember when Slim came home in 1992? Mount, Mount Carmel is well... What Joe? What are you doing here? Mount Carmel is well. Oh, Mount Carmel is well. Mount Carmel. <laughs> Until someone proves differently, the Aces are still the team to beat in the North Egyptian Conference. At this point, it doesn't appear anyone can stop the Aces' march to the top. The pick by Joe Jones, Mount Carmel by eight. Gator, what were you guys thinking going into this game? We were. It depends on who you ask. I mean, the kids are starting to think they're bulletproof. I can still remember after that option play. 
in Salem, they were feeling their oats. It's like, we're the real deal. And we knew, we knew what Mount Carmel was bringing back. I mean, this team was uh, salty. So yeah. we were cautiously optimistic, but we didn't show up. And when we got down early, we pulled what you guys referred to as what Palestine did. You know, guys were coming over saying, you know, my arm's hurting and, and those kind of things. And uh, you don't necessarily want to throw those sophomores out there to the wolves. How, so. how deeply would you have had to go into the playoffs to play someone better than Mount Carmel, you think? I mean, this the decent chance uh, it's the first the best team you're going to play for a long, long time. Yeah, I'd say – a quarterfinal at the least. Right. And we were in their same class at that point. Too. Oh, you know that's true. So, yeah. But yeah. then your your conf, uh, your playoffs were determined by your opponent's victories. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we're that, gonna get to that. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say we're one year we're one year removed from playing them in the playoffs. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting part. You know, time gets to tell you the story, but uh when we played them the next year, we were still cautiously optimistic and and we lost right at the end on a you know kind of a busted defensive play. Yeah. So well, well this game unfortunately Mount Carmel lived up to the hype. Yep. We didn't. Yep. Got down 44 to nothing. Uh we did score a couple late touchdowns. Matt Macada had a long kickoff return. Um we also had uh Billy Gray had a a, a pass to Jeremy Marinholtz. But we got down 44 nothing. was uh, outgained 365 to 67 total yards. So, you know, Mount Carmel came out. I think it was 31 to nothing at halftime. Uh, not a whole lot you can do when you're in the locker room down 31 nothing. No, we were pretty well overmatched up front. So anything that we had for kids that could play in space, there was no space created for them to play in. Yeah. You know, Coach Evans went on to say the O-line did a horrendous job, was his quote yeah. in the newspaper. Let's, let's talk about – Real quick, I mean, it brought up a good point. I've coached a little junior league football, and you guys coached it at the varsity level. Talk about that feeling. It's great when you feels like you're playing somebody maybe like a Palestine that's not on your level. Everything you do works, or nearly. Talk about the frustration when it seems like the other team has 20 people out there, and no matter what you do, nothing works. Well... Lyles had it. He had the best statement. He said the worst thing that he could stand was when somebody would just run the ball between the tackles and you could not stop him. He yeah. said, you know, you're blitzing. You're thinking these are the things that may help you. And they're not. It's the most helpless feeling in the world because there's nothing you can do as a coach right. to remediate that problem. And you just have to sit there and take it. There's only so much those guys up top on the headsets can do because it seems yeah. like, like you say, it just seems like they've got more people out there than you do, and there's nothing that just uh, – And they, those guys were pretty good at their job, and they'd be like, they're going to run it off tackle. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. Yeah. yeah uh, 43 of our 67 yards came on the last touchdown pass that, you know, that we that we yeah. scored that game. So, I mean, wow. it was just – So, there was, utter, there was nothing. Now, if I remember right – Mount Carmel blitzed quite a bit too, which was uncommon for them. But uh, they did fill up the box, and they had more guys than we could block, and we had our hands full with just the one guy we needed to block. Yeah. Well, let's move on then to uh, to Carmi. 
uh, the Carmi game. This is on September 15th. And uh, Gangsta's Paradise hanging in there at number one. Uh, Braveheart now has has moved into movie theaters for your enjoyment. Carmi comes in at one and two, one and one in the conference. Red Hill two and one, of course, one and one in the conference. Joe Jones says the Salukis lost to the best team they'll play in the regular season and must put Mount Carmel out of their minds when thinking playoffs. This is a must-win for Red Hill, who still must play a talented Fairfield squad. And all of a sudden, that that 35 or whatever it was, nothing score that Mount Carmel beat Fairfield, Fairfield probably doesn't look as bad at this point after the, the beating that we took. The Salukis have the league's best passing attack with top passer Billy Gray and five of five of the ten's top receivers. Red Hill should handle the Bulldogs fairly easily if they play to their potential, but this is not the time for them to stub their toes. Joe Jones picks the Red Hill Salukis by 14 points. And one thing, the, the favorite has covered in every game so far. So if Joe Jones keeps his streak up, then Red Hill should win by more, what did you say, 14? Uh, 14, yep. Red Hill should win this one by more than 14, but let's see, Gary. Well, they did, and it was a dominating fashion, which you don't ever too often get a feel too comfortable that you're a big favorite over anybody when you're at Red Hill for the most part back in those days, the NEC. But uh, we were favored pretty big and for Joe's standards, and – the NEC's leading passer got very uh, – he ate good this game. He, uh, he was – in the first half, he was 9-10 passing. Wow. He ended up throwing for, uh, in, the, in the game, uh, 204 yards. We had 468 yards of total offense in that game. And, again, in a, in a high school football game, That's you're piling lot. up the yards to yeah. have 468. So, took a 28-0 uh, halftime lead. Uh, Billy, 24-yard run. Jed Wilson with a 25-yard touchdown. A reception, Billy Gray, another run. Jared Bryan comes in there, and I kind of forgot about Jared playing football, but Jared had a touchdown catch in, the, in this first half. Billy uh, Brandon Tully, 46-yard touchdown reception. And then uh, Jerry Marinholtz, we're up 42 to nothing after Jerry Marinholtz's touchdown on this one. So He, he had to know. have had all day to throw the ball, throw him for those kind of numbers. Yeah, it was, he ended up uh, – he was 10 of 11 for – I think it says I, my eyes don't work as well as they used to. Two oh four and uh, three touchdowns in this in this one. So I mean, just uh, he was the leading passer, and he 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 got even. Uh, he was going to lead by a lot more after after this one, but it has to always feel good. A dominating, just dominating effort over a typically a pretty good Carmi team. One of the key plays this game, Tony. You remember what the what the what the interception in this game? I do not. A Jim Lawson one-handed interception. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It was you know Jim was rolling about two sixty-five at this uh, time, and he was just a bull on both sides. And uh, I was shocked when I saw that. I didn't realize he was that big. Yeah, he was a, he was a monster big old boy. Yeah. He looked like he had a baseball glove for a hand. <laughs> That's how I could catch it one-handed, but it was a kind of a play where we were putting a lot of pressure, and the quarterback just kind of. Uh, kind of just threw it, and uh, and Jim he had a guy on him still trying to block, and the guy was somehow fortunate to even be able to stay in front of him. And uh, Jim reached out, makes a one hand diving interception for that one, and then Billy also had another interception this game. So um, you know, moving on, moving on to three and one. I don't know if there's much to, to follow up with this one other than this big blowout. But again, you're feeling pretty good after getting your ass handed to you the week before. So it's nice to oh, do it to somebody curse. else. I don't think Kurt Simon was at Carmine just yet. I'm not sure about that. And he really turned him around down there. But we had beat the brakes off of him and fresh soft. And if I remember right, 
I don't think they had a lot of seniors. So our confidence was pretty high going into that. Something, something on the show we always make fun of is that I think they do it differently now, but homecoming <laughs> on Friday night and the coronation always started about 10 o'clock as, as an administrator. <laughs> uh, was that ever a great idea? Now that you look back on it, to be having homecoming dance after the Friday night football game. Terrible. The only <laughs> good thing about it is that when you have it on Saturday as an administrator, it ruins your Saturday too. Right. Yeah. Well, Maybe I, that's why they did it back then. I know yeah. it's it's sure been fun for a podcast, especially doing the homecoming episodes when we started trying to figure out that the dance probably started at about <laughs> what? Because yeah, that's back when the game the kickoffs were at seven thirty back then. Yeah. So it was tense. Yeah. By the time you get the coronation and and everything, yeah, you had about a half an hour for the day. Between coronation and girls' junior high uh, volleyball, you two spend, or you guys spend, (laughs) we're, we're, I got what I want. I got the junior high volleyball. Creators of change. That's what we, that's what we do. We, we need to figure up our new cause. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go to the next week. That's September 22nd. Um, I do want to congrats, uh, congrats to Michelle Rucker for winning homecoming queen that. Night oh, good. Oh. Go, and we'll have our next homecoming episode here in about a month. So uh, we we got to narrow down which years we're going to do. But for those of you that come just for the homecoming episodes, usually, and we that's know coming up in October, we know you're out there. We're looking for insurance. We hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. <laughs> uh, September 5th, or I'm sorry, September 22nd, week five, Gangsta's Paradise Coolio featuring LV, of course, still hanging on number one. Movies, there's been a new crop of movies come in. Showgirls, David King, makes its uh, debut in, in, yeah. in Plaza Classic. Cinemas. Classic. Classic. <laughs> Seven, <laughs> great movie. Dangerous Minds, of course, and the National Lampoon Senior Trip. But there was an ad right next to the movies, the reason I saw it. 746 Judy Avenue... Do you remember the name of the restaurant that was there? 746 Judy. 746 Judy. P&B Cafe? No, that's too easy. The <laughs> Cottage Cafe. I don't remember I that. Do, I never, Is this in the same building as the P&B Cafe? Well, I looked it up, and Google Maps took me to the corner looking at Jack's Barbershop. Actually, so, yeah. Didn't P&B close, and then they, then they reopened? Would, would that I be where... The Cottage Cafe, maybe? Like, it's something else, like, for not very long. Yeah. Oh, that, okay, I remember this place now. I do. That must have been it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you can get a fried chicken dinner for five forty nine, and that include. Oh, I'm sorry, I take that back. An all you can eat fried chicken dinner, oh, wow. including drink, for five dollars and forty nine cents. That's fair. Jimmy Lawson, I guarantee you, could put away some chicken for five forty nine. <laughs> but all right, going to go uh, Fairfield at Red Hill. It's going to be a good one. Fairfield three and one. Red Hill comes in three and one. Both two and one in the conference. 
This contest is the NEC showcase game, and the winner probably a cinch for second place behind Mount Carmel. Both teams have a quick strike offense that can score points by the bushel in a hurry. Last week, the two teams combined for 89 points, while their opponents totaled six. The Salukis have hit opponents mostly by air, but also have some good backs capable of breaking the big game. Fairfield is more ground-oriented with Darren Milner and Adam Link, but quarterback John Warren will look for the Richard Reed and Kurt Robbins tandem both quality receivers with all their top players on the field fairfield is a formidable team and should be the favorite as the defending nec champ but the salukis are hungry at home and need to take the step up to the next level in a shootout they get the nod the pick is red hill by two uh, joe jones is pretty amazing yeah that's because tony it was a shootout wasn't it it was it I... was and they had won the conference the year before yeah he had a good team that beat us in 96 as well. But I've got a, I had an article from the Evansville Courier that I had read. And uh, he was talking about, he said, I don't, this is Hatfield, who was a heck of a coach. I think he went to California and coached after this. But he said, I don't think the seniors realize what it takes to repeat. He said, my sophomores and juniors are hungry, but my seniors don't understand what's going on. And that's kind of what happened wow. because. We were ready to play them, and they thought they were ready, but they lacked the focus that they needed. Red Hill opens up scoring with 8.49 to go in the first quarter with Jed Wilson. Six-yard pass from Billy Gray. The kick failed. Remember that. That might be important coming up. Fairfield then, then answers on a Danny Hesterly 18-yard touchdown run in the second quarter. Red Hill then comes back on a Matt McAdow 32-yard touchdown reception from Billy Gray. Chris Allen knocks it in, so now we're good to go. We got that. We got the missed kickback. That was with 8:40 to go in the second quarter. We're up 14 to six. Darren Milner answers with a five-yard run. 5:17 to go in the second quarter to put Red Hill up 14 to 12. Red Hill then comes back. Jed Wilson wow. a four-yard pass from Billy Gray. Derek Wilson makes the extra point. Red Hill now leads 21 to 12, with 3.30 to go in the second quarter. Fairfield comes back on a Matt Linked uh, 15 yard touchdown run. John Jeez. Warren puts in the two pointer to make the score Red Hill 21, Fairfield 20. Fairfield now comes and scores again on a Milner one yard run and a two, two point conversion to make the score 28, Fairfield 21, Red Hill, with 5.48 to go in the fourth quarter. Red Hill's not done. Brandon Tully, 10-yard pass from Billy Gray. Here's where another extra point killed us. A pass failed. So a 430 to go in the fourth quarter. Fairfield, 28. Red Hill, 27. And then with 223 in the fourth quarter, Fairfield scores on a link touchdown run. We're now down 36-27. Billy then throws another touchdown pass to Jed Wilson, a 62-yarder. Good God. With 146 to go in the fourth quarter to, to close the score, we did make the extra point to go, could, could, uh, excuse me, to go down 36-34, and that's game. where the game ends. Joe, so, Joe right, hits so, it right on the money. Like that's got to be. I mean, and obviously the result wasn't what we wanted. Yeah, that's got to be one of the best games Red Hills. I was going to say that it. sounds like a great game. I mean, just overall, just overall game, just back and forth. And, well, I Billy guess Joe didn't throw, hit it on the money. He read right. He missed it. He just missed the wrong direction. Right, he yeah. got a two-point win, but 
Billy did throw for uh, another 250 yards. He had three interceptions, but threw five touchdown passes. Was at the t- I don't know if that's still a school record or not. Uh, Tony, do you know if that's the five in one game is still a record? I couldn't tell you anymore. I'm not sure, but Billy set a school record. Here's the stat that catches my eye for a Red Hill football team. Billy flew all over the place. Red Hill finished the game, 18 rushes for negative three yards. Wow. And we missed a couple of point after tries, too. And so scored how many points? We lost 36-34. wow. They were all on the ground, and we were all in the air. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a box score that. That lot, you know, such a marked difference between how the team scored. Yeah, no kidding. So that that we dropped a three and two and, you know, a, and a shootout. Do you remember the – the temperature of the team and of Coach Evans after that, after that, just a crazy, crazy loss, you know. I don't really remember what the mood was, but we kind of knew that it was a quality team. And we were still thinking that overall we were pretty young. That doesn't make your seniors any happier, but at the same time, we weren't disappointed with how we played. We just didn't win. Yeah. Was Billy rolling yeah, out? Evans. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, was Billy rolling out, or was it was he dropping back mostly? Really, we rolled out unless it was a three step drop for a long time. Right. We rolled out everything. Everything that was straight drop back was fast slants, yeah. hooks, quick outs. Yeah, that's a lot of the plays you see in a highlight video. If it's a three step, maybe put it was like I think a one step and fire yeah. it to Jed or Matt McAdow as hard as and hard as he could throw it and. You know, yeah. Jed Wilson's a guy that I'll tell you what, just talk about Jed real quick. Yes. You know, he was about five, five, maybe. Yeah. But he was built, he was strong, he was fast. And I just know when I was a senior in practice, if Jed Wilson was guarding you, you're ready to kill him by the end of practice and probably did because he was just up in your face and he was just, you know, he would drive you absolutely crazy as a senior when he was a young guy practicing against us. So, you know, he was so quick with his footwork. It was incredible. And then the, the other thing is, and this is what's unusual for any wide receiver, especially one that's five, five is that he loved to block people down the field. Oh yeah. And I think people thought, okay, this five, five guy is going to try to block me. And he would be in them. Like you can't imagine he'd work them. He A lot of long good. runs that we had were because Jed Wilson made great downfield blocks. Oh, wow. That's a good point. Uh, did he wrestle? No, he should have. He played basketball. Yeah, that's why I just said that. I didn't know if later on, because like I said, he had the, as aggressive yeah. as he was, he had that mentality. He probably would have been a hell of a wrestler. Oh, yeah. He probably would have been, what, 120-something maybe? Yeah. He'd been a monster. Chip, do you have something? I just have my Coach Evans quote from the game. Disappointing loss. Great game, as we talked about. But just a real quick quote here. I wouldn't trade my ball club for anybody's right now. Well. He's loving this team. Yeah. For over 75 years, one family has been cooking fantastic dinners for your family. I know every time we had relatives into town, that's where we went. I know when there was a special occasion and we all wanted to go out to eat, we went to Gray's Restaurant. Started off with Ralph all the way back 75 years ago and Todd and Becky have run the show and now the boys are doing their thing and I tell you what it's just as good as it ever was great steaks catfish cheeseburgers tenderloins you name it they've got lunch specials 
every day. Those great beef Manhattans in August every single Wednesday. All kind of neat things. Chicken and noodles, country fried steaks on there one day. There's a bacon cheeseburger one day. Just check out the Facebook page. They got a calendar there. Shows you what the special is every single day. They're open 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. You can pick it up at the window, 945-9501. But you know the thing to do at Gray's. Go in, have a cold drink, sit down. You're going to see some people that you know. Maybe see some people you haven't seen in a while. That's the great thing about having a hometown restaurant that treats you right. Gray's Restaurant does just that. They serve good food and cold drinks to go with it. 945-9501. They're at 955 East State Street in Bridgeport. Let the Gray family cook for your family today. Well, as we move into week six, September 29th, people were loving Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, starring Patrick Swayze. Oh, there were some bad movies this year. <laughs> Showgirls hanging in there. And then we've got a debut, The Big Green from Disney. That's that soccer movie, right? Where that, I have no idea. Pretty, I don't know that movie. No idea. pretty sure it's got that curly-headed kid, I'm pretty sure, playing goalie or something. Uh, look that up. Uh, then we got, of course, Dangerous Minds. We've talked about in seven, uh, the Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman vehicle. Number one song, and I don't have to say any more number one songs because this one's going to be number one for the rest of the season, and that is Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Okay. So, Red Hill, only loser out of postseason playoff picture is the headline in the Vincent Sun commercial. Had to use the Sun commercial this time because there was no daily record on the uh, archives, the uh, Dick Poppy archives on the Lawrence County Library site. So we're going to use the daily record. Had to go to the next. Had to go to the next page. The well, I don't even think the people the paper was there. I've got it right in front of me. Oh well, read it then. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> It wasn't. It's like there's usually both teams are on both on one page, and for whatever reason they split up. Lawrenceville, Lawrenceville was first, and Red Hill was on the next. No, page. it wasn't that it didn't have. I didn't see the the. Maybe they just added. Are we it looking for the Joe Jones article? Is that what we're looking for? Because it was the newspaper was grayed out. Like I, there, it wasn't oh, even really? there. Yeah, maybe they just add. Maybe that's why the site's been down. Maybe they were adding newspapers. <laughs> well, go ahead, so Dave. Dave. The game was just waiting for you to trip up there, Brian. Yeah, I know. They all pounce on me. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Well, um, now I don't have. Are, are you talking about the prediction or the, or the result? The re- prediction. We're looking for the pregame oh. article, right, Brian? Yes. Dave has. Dave doesn't have that. Okay. No, we're not going to recap. We haven't even started the game yet. Okay, back to where I was before I was so rudely interrupted. Red Hill comes into the game three and two, and so does Alney. Bill Evans says we're coaching against six, six and th- we're coaching against six and three right now. We don't believe we can lose another game and still get in the playoffs. Under playoff rules, the number of victories of the opponents of potential qualifiers are added together, and those six and three teams with the highest total make the playoffs. Since both Red Hill and Alney will have beaten a lot of teams with poor records, they likely will be left out. At six and three, so you know this is so this is where playing Palestine and Oblong, who neither one were very good that year. This and, is where this could hurt you. And Salem's Sorry. one and four, you know, and you got an mm-hmm. zero and five Lawrenceville coming up. So they it's 
Gator is a must win. Definitely was a must win. Well, to, to get to the game, unfortunately, all comes out quick and gets them. We get down 14, 14 to 7 in, at the beginning of the, the first quarter. Uh, our first touchdown was a, another Jed Wilson, a 75-yard touchdown pass from Billy Gray. That was uh, with 156 to go in the first quarter. I was actually, I think this may have been the only game I attended this year, but I remember this play very specifically, and I watched it here on the highlight tape again. Um, Talk about one of those classic three-step drops, and Billy throws it to Jed. Uh, no one was even covering Jed, and Jed ends up cutting it back across the field, and Matt McAdow lays out not one kid, but two kids. Not that they were probably going to catch Jed, but on it, it looked pretty, pretty impressive the way he took out two kids on on that one. Talk about downfield blocking and how important that is. So that was uh, what Matt McAdow would love to do. Both of those wideouts love to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Matt was really aggressive himself. He was a wrestler and was a heck of a wrestler too. Uh-huh. So we're now down fourteen to seven, and uh, that's you no. Know, we score one more time there. So Red Hill, Chris Allen, a four yard run. That's another kid I think we could spend a little bit of time talking about. How tough was Chris Allen, Gator? nails he was yeah. tough and he did a lot of stuff that nobody really saw i mean he owned in between the tackles he was the fullback and you'll find that out next year when you, you talk about his carries and he was short yard specialist i mean he just carried guys he was built like a bowling ball. well all those allen boys were yeah and that's uh you know when you when you look at him and talk about him setting up this this junior year and Guys like him is what makes that option work. Yeah, and you know it looks like you know just looking at the stats, he carried the carried the ball anywhere from you know 12, 15 times a game, and every play it was in between the guards, not in between the tackles. I think it was between the guards almost every time. But uh, you know he really set up that, and he was just such a such a tough kid. Obviously, he also played a linebacker as well, and uh, was was a heck of a player. So he gets us on the board. So now let's see, we go to halftime. It's fourteen to thirteen at halftime. Uh, unfortunately, one more touchdown was scored. Craig Nix, a 13-yard run with 7.48 to go in the fourth quarter. So we're down 21-13. We did get the ball back. Uh, the game ends after a pass from Billy Gray uh, to Jed Wilson, but he got stopped on the uh, been like the 29-yard line to end the game. So we thought face mask was called. We got one untimed down from the 14-yard line, and unfortunately – a pass to Jed Wilson went incomplete, ending the game. And I think when you look back on the season, the third field was tough. Alney was a team that probably we should have beat. Would you agree with that, Tony? Most definitely. I can still remember a couple of things about this game. One of them is a crazy story. Evans got on this kick about them being dog soldiers. And he went on and on about them being dog soldiers. And the kids were looking at each other like, what in the hell is he talking about? What's this dog soldiers thing? But then we felt like going in, this was a game that we should win, and this was going to be the one that would allow us to make that next move towards the playoffs. I can remember it as being the biggest letdown in the locker room afterwards. Bill was physically sick over that one. Yeah. That happens. I can remember about three or four games where he really just was distraught because it was one he thought we should win, and that one – that one really hurt. Yeah. And it did. And you think most years, you know, you, you hate to say it sitting at three and three that the season's over, right? I think yeah. the writing was on the wall back then. The six and three didn't automatically get you in anymore. No. Um, yeah. And uh, that, so you had to go seven and two to get that automatic berth. And so when you lose 
another a second game in a row on two, both of them you could have won and you didn't that hurts that that hurts so now you're looking at the you know three games to go if you want any chance at all you have no other choice but to win all three of them well and with the age of our kids we're not really sure where this season's going to go because right that's one that you can just turn tail and say hey it was fun but it's over yeah and we noticed that that next week in practice there was still Plenty of uh, excitement, intensity, that made us feel better. But on a Friday night, I mean, right. that's a weekend ruiner right there. Sure. Yeah. Because you don't go to bed. You know, everybody goes home after the game, and we don't go home and go to bed and go to sleep. We sit there and think about this play or that penalty or that missed block. It's heart wrenching sometimes. Yeah. To think that the fate of your weekend is based on a bunch of teenage boys. I know, right? Yeah. But it's the reality. Chip, what did you have coach Evans's comments after this game? Yeah. I mean, just um, to kind of, it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about here. Um, as six and three can still get us in the chances aren't good. And we're aware of that. We're looking at our playoff points, but really all we can do is play them one one at a time and not give up on a winning season. I mean, we got to, we got, as Gary said, we've got to win these last three. It's our only choice. And um, we've got Flora coming up. Never easy nope. game. We should win. That's the team Evans most likes to be. He hated Flora. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was about Flora. He hated. I think early in his career, they were pretty cheap on him. And he just, I mean, Red Hill people like to be Lawrenceville. Bill loved to beat Flora. I know yeah. in baseball, when we, pulled a hidden ball trick and that's how we won the game i he he celebrated as much as as anything just to just to beat their ass dave i know you've got something on this game with your precious little article that you found <laughs> break it out <laughs> i'm good <laughs> all right we head into the next say anything the rest of the night <laughs> we head into week seven october 6th uh in this newspaper um the the preview or that week, Tuesday, October 3rd. Do you know what the headline was? Anybody know what that would have been? Something about OJ? OJ Simpson was acquitted for, uh, even though he murdered those uh, two people, he was somehow acquitted. So that was the headline on Tuesday, October 3rd. The pigskin picker was unreadable. It was there, Dave, but um, you couldn't <laughs> okay. read it. It was all <laughs> it was all smeared. Uh, but Red Hill goes to floor. I got the I do I could make out the pick. So I'm read Stavers and then I'll give Joe's pick. Um Flora comes in at two and four, Red Hill three and three. Bill talking about that only game. It was a disastrous game for us. Now we just have to get back together and see if we can win uh, our last three and maybe something crazy will happen. We could still get in the playoffs, but we're not counting on that. I'm sure Flora is in the same situation. Football is always a game of emotion this time of year, and the team that is most hungry will win. We will play. We will play the kids that seem the most hungry. Joe Jones picks Red Hill by 16 points. Well, Joe's not too far off on this one. So uh, we, we go to this game. It's a first game. I'm sorry. First quarter was completely scoreless. Brandon Tully opens up scoring on a 24-yard touchdown run with 7-11 to go in the second quarter. Four of the answers on a Keith Sloan 13-yard run, but the kick failed. So in the second quarter, we're up seven to six. Red Hill, Billy Gray's a 10-yard run with a Derek Wilson kick with just 36, 36 seconds to go in the second quarter. So that's a big touchdown going into the second half. 
Red Hill up 14 to six, going to halftime. We come out, Billy Gray with another one yard touchdown run. Derek Wilson with the kick to lead 21 to eight. Four then answers on a Brian Tackett 12 yard pass from R.D. Dern. The run failed. So with 10 23 to go in the fourth quarter, we're up 21 to 12. Red Hill then scores on a Matt McAdow 30 yard pass from Billy Gray. Derek Wilson makes another PAT to go up 28 to 12. And Florida does end up into scoring with one minute to go in the fourth quarter. They close it to 28 to 18, but that's going to be your, your final score. Brandon Tilly has a good game with 14 rushes for 88 yards and a touchdown. Billy still only throws the ball six times and he completed four for 100 and 106 yards. So another really solid game there. Pretty evenly matched game. Except, um, uh, you know, you, you look at the turnovers here. Um, we won the turnover battle, won 28-18, feeling pretty good, four to four and four and three now in the season. Um, we had to win it, and they did. Got to be good coming off, coming off a disastrous loss, Gator, to come back with a bounce-back win like that. Yeah, we made some big stops, and <clears> – <throat> The conversion, the two point conversions were so important in that game because we stopped a bunch of those. And, uh, you know, people cheer when you score a touchdown, but they don't realize how important that next play can be to the outcome of a ball game. How many times you see a team lose by one, two, or a couple of conversions? Yeah. I mean, we won a playoff one time because they called timeout and we weren't, we were going to kick it. They called timeout. We went for two, and we won. We won wow. it in regulation. Yeah, on the road. Uh. But uh, those are those are all character building for what's coming around the corner. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, anything else on this one, Chip? Just my quote from that to go along with what you guys are saying. It's really a pleasure to come out here after losing last week to Alney in a game where we played terrible and should have won. This was a good gut check for our seniors. So we were kind of wondering which way this would go, these final three games. We know our playoff chances are bleak, but they came out, played a good solid game for a conference win against Flora. Well, we go into week eight, and week eight on, on this podcast anyway, October 13th, has become the David King game. David, what do you always say? <laughs> Why do we overlook Oblong all the time? They beat us half the time in the 80s. Yeah, they and it even I, says I in the it even, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe over at the times. Yeah, it even talks about it in the article that that there's times you know that Oblong has has always it seems you know Red Hill's been hurt by Oblong over the years with the smaller school usually up for its larger opponent. We we're always kind of in a different role going into this one, but. Um, going into this one, Red Hill four and three, Oblong one and six. Uh, Red Hill absolutely has to win, um, especially going into a game next week that they should win against Lawrenceville. Uh, they've been uh, Billy Gray continues to pace the conference in passing 1,118 yards with 12 TDs, five interceptions. Jed Wilson second in the conference in receiving 21 for 451 and six. Brandon Tully leads the Slukies ground attack. 57 attempts, 332 yards, two TDs with a 5.8 average. Uh, the They have the power to handle uh, Oblong here. They should put up big numbers. Joe's going to go, uh, he's going to stretch it out in this one. He's going to pick the Red Hill Salukis, Tony Gaither, by 22 points. The only thing that I really recall about this game is the year before when they beat us at home, I believe it was at home, and, yeah, uh, and those kids that had played the year before 
thought that they would win that game too. And I said, look, I was coaching up there. That's Jeremy Sanders was up there at that time. Uh, he had a Meinhardt kid. They were good. So the year before they won, when we thought we would go up there, or actually it was at home and dominate. So they had learned beware of oblong because they'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Now, I remember telling Coach Evans, if we don't win this game, I'm going to resign. But they, <laughs> they look terrible on film. So the, the kids' minds were right. They knew what they had to do. That helps, too. And they were a little scared from what had happened the year before. So we took it to them. Yeah, it was uh, the game was over early. Yeah. 25 points in the first quarter, 13, sub 38 to nothing at halftime. Uh, Billy, another solid game, uh, 9 to 17 for 167. I thought this was interesting, though. We, we lead off the scoring with the Chris Allen three yard run, ho hum, right? And then the next three touchdowns Matt McAdow, 70 yard punt return. Then we had a field goal from Derek Wilson, a 32 yarder. And then Manu. we had a safety. Remember so that's him being called Manu. Yes, yes. So then, then, then we scored on a, a safety, was a, the quarterback was tackled in the end zone. So you don't see back to back to back scores like that very often in a high school football game. But a complete dominating, Oblong uh, mustered up 31 yards. Um, negative two passing yards. You don't see that very often either. But yeah, just completely manhandled the Panthers. Uh, another must win, and it was over early. A lot, a lot of kids got to play in this one. I'm glad you mentioned that, Gary, because there weren't a whole lot of games yet that we could start playing some of that depth. Yeah, that that we would need the next year because this was still senior time, and uh, in these next couple games, you're going to see that. A lot of those quote returning lettermen are going to get a lot of PT, and that's going to that's going to be a big difference for the next year. Yeah, absolutely. that's not like going out for the punt team or or one of those special teams. You're out there grinding against the varsity opponent. Yeah, exactly. Chip, what Coach Evans have to say? Well, we we w- went uh, up to Oblong. We took care of business. He said this game was basically over after the first quarter, except for the penalties. I'm very satisfied with our play. Um, this you know, Oblong team didn't look very good on film, but coach says they've been rushing for better than 200 yards per game, and we really did a good job of shutting down their running game. And it assured us of a winning season, but now we got the tough one against Lawrenceville. Lawrenceville's struggling this year, but it's going to be a lot tougher than this Oblong opponent it, was. You know, it's funny, Dirt, on that same page as the Red Hill Oblong, I always just could not imagine why in the world Lawrenceville played homecoming one year against Salem the next year against Mount Carmel, uh, you know, they <laughs> assured, and it says right here, Lawrenceville has lost its last 15 straight homecoming games with their last win, a 40 to 15 decision over Salem in 1979. Wow. Sometimes their egos a little inflated. <laughs> I guess so. Cause we always were, I'm sure you guys did too. We always went to that game, you know, yeah. Saturday yeah, after. They usually lost by about 50. Yeah. On it was always, day. yeah. It was always over by the first half. But then they turn around and kill them in basketball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Joe Jones writes a pretty good size article, obviously on this one being the counter clash, but the, the, uh, headline is Saluki's favored by 12 in Lawrence County clash. Um, I don't think that there was, uh, and, and that's probably Joe. I, I don't know the score of this game. I'm saying that's probably Joe just being careful not to piss off the hometown fans because based on what I know and I've seen, I'm going to say Red Hill by 28. 
Um, oh wait, Joe puts the so to handicap this game, he's got a compli- He says I've got a complicated mathematical formula: HF <laughs> times six yeah, <laughs> plus VR times six equals RHHS minus twelve. In that's layman's terms, in <laughs> layman's terms, that's home fields worth six plus best records worth six equals Red Hill minus twelve. I'm Gary. I'm saying twenty eight. Well, we we covered the twelve in the first quarter. Okay. Yeah. And Lawrenceville are they winless? Are they zero and eight right now? Lawrenceville's coming in zero and eight, zero and six. That's okay, correct. So they have not helped us at all. They lost their two non-conference games, which we need those wins. Yep. We need those opponents' wins. So they have not helped us a bit this year. Yep. They yeah. have not won anything. This was a complete one win would have given us that extra point, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> this is a complete, a complete blowout here. 51 to nothing's your final score. <laughs> Hell, I um, was I was only halfway home. <laughs> another interesting little uh variance of touchdowns. We open up the scoring brand, tell 11 yard run. Uh then Jed Wilson has a 65-yard interception return of uh, a pass thrown by Nate Ernst, and we were just talking about Nate's uh, Illini dance at the Brandon scramble just the other day. We were yeah, talking we were. about that. So <laughs> Nate, Nate Ernst throws a, a pick six to Jed Wilson. Then uh, Jed then has a 66-yard punt return. So he back, backed up his 65-yard interception with the turn with a punt return. So Who was the special teams coach for those guys? No wow. <laughs> you know why I was taking credit for that, too. Uh, and then hey. Matt McAdow had a fumble return, so another defensive touchdown in, in this one. So – the unfortunate part of this is that Billy only got to throw the ball four times. Oh, he was wow. one of four for seven yards. Didn't need to. There's no point. There was no they could they Lawrenceville wasn't doing anything. We were scoring touchdowns in every imaginable way. So um the you know, kids Billy, were punching too. They wanted to keep throwing it, and we're like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Coming into this game, though, Joe was uh 29 and 9 on the season with a, a Point seven six three winning percentage, so pretty good. Uh, I wonder how many of those were he picked Lawrenceville to win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did Did you guys see the county clash notes? There was some kind of interesting stuff in that. Uh, I didn't know. It says Friday's game was the 80th meeting for the two Lawrence County teams, dating back 86 years to 1909. Both Bridgeport won both meetings in the first year in 1910 and 1911. Single games were played before the series was discontinued from 1912 to 1919. Since 1920, the teams have played once each year in an uninterrupted string of 76 seasons. Lawrenceville leads the series by a wide margin, 60 to 18, with two ties. But Red Hill, at this time in 1995, has won four of the last eight. Lawrenceville is eight and four in the rivalry over the last dozen years. So, will we will we still play them this year? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's where it gets interesting. And I know back this is not, now 19. The internet is just now getting fired up, and it's not. In, I don't think it's probably in anyone's household yet. Would that be right? In 95 getting close but you, close would, to have, you, you would have had dial up america yeah. on america online. I, I, bought, I bought that acer for our uh, apartment about november well, that right. year yeah, yeah. what was so, the other one what was the other one like compu serve there was one yeah there was a, there was another one Prodigy i remember my, yeah, my, my first internet service i you got like a disc um yeah at kmart is where i got it and i don't think it was america online but it was something so, like so tony i think talking about like coach evans i think he and you and the, probably the coaching staff i think even you thought was six and three you weren't too confident you're going to get in do, do you like 
And I know it used to be you'd wait till you knew you were in probably a lot of the years and the years that you won seven games or more for sure. Even now, if you win six games, you're in. Yeah. It's a waiting game until Saturday night. And that's the fun. Yeah. When you're, a, for me being a football coach, I think it wasn't any much more fun than the, than the Friday night and then the Saturday leading into it. And then the Sunday, I mean, that's probably as a coach was the most fun I had uh, on those well, scouting games. nights on, on uh, watching the game after the game on film was a lot of fun too. Yeah. But do you remember back in, 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 in these times when we're sitting there at six and three, not too confident, do you remember how we got the news of how all this went down? And that's why I think another really interesting thing about this season was about, about how our season ended well, and why we didn't get to play anymore. Don't I don't hold me to this, but I think that may have been a night that we went to Waco to see the scores because it came in on a what was it Telex? Is that what it was called? I think. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, it would show the scores, and we would we were trying to figure out where we would fall because then it calculated playoff points, and we went to bed not knowing. And I can remember the next morning. I'm sure we're going to get to it here in a minute. The next morning, showing up to practice and. Bill was there, and, uh, you know, he was yeah. breaking the news to us. Yeah. Well, the interesting part is so in the Sunday, David Staver wrote an article, and Dave says, Red Hill failed to make the Illinois Class 3 of playoffs, and the news was something that was expected by Coach Bill Evans and his players. We had the record to make the playoffs, but we just didn't have the points, Evans said Saturday after the pairings were announced by the Illinois High School Association. Teams with a seven and two records or better make the playoffs. Teams with six and three records were selected or left out because of a on the tournament based on the basis of how their opponents did. The points Evan referred to uh, were the number of victories by Red Hill's opponents when we came up short. We needed some help on Friday night and we didn't get it, he said. Salem, Carmine, Palestine, three teams that Red Hill defeated all lost. So we know now Saturday evening, we know we're not in. I'm looking for the timeline because the reason we didn't get in was that we did actually qualify and we did have enough points, but so did another team. And at the IHS, IHSA headquarters, there was a coin flip to determine who was going to the playoffs. And nobody told us about it. And that's what I was wondering, going back for hopefully people, well, this is the most interesting thing of this year. What? That, yeah, I mean, oh, we didn't know. We just knew we didn't make the playoffs, and we just assumed that we didn't have Somebody as many Somebody else, yeah. So do you remember know, when we learned about the coin toss? We didn't know the next morning. We knew that we didn't make it. But we didn't know how we didn't make it until somebody had sent Coach Evans a copy, and he may still have it. I've not seen it. I don't have it. But there was a newspaper clipping up north. Don't quote me where it was. Well, I got but it. That <laughs> and that guy had sent it to Bill, and that's how we found out that wow. that's how it went down. Because we didn't believe it. We're like, you you got to be kidding me. You can't at least tell us. You guys are involved in a coin flip. Get the two coaches. Hey, you want heads or tails? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But to think that so much was riding on a flip of the coin. Chip, you may have the details. I think that the the team that made it had been to the playoffs more recently a few times. And I think that people realize how big of a blow that was and how that would affect a community like us. Wow. Yeah, Gary has the – I think it was yeah. – was it Pontiac that was we were in the – Yeah, it was, well, it wasn't them. They were affected. This, this okay. Was, this was the uh, Bloomington Pantograph. Yeah. Bloomington? The Bloomington Pantograph on October 22nd, 1995. 
says a coin flip. So there's an article about Pontiac. That's what it's about. But it says okay. a coin flip was uh, was needed at the IHC headquarters in Bloomington to determine the 192nd and final team in the playoffs. Because the coin, to- coin toss came up heads, Chicago South Shore secured a spot over Bridgeport Red Hill. If tails had come up, Red Hill would have been slotted in the Class 3A and bumped Pontiac to the 4A playoffs. Instead, the Indians became the largest Class 3A team. Coach said, I was prepared for play- to play in 4A, but they got to go. So, I mean, it's like, I just, wow. it's, it's wow. mind blowing to me that that's how that <laughs> yeah. all ended. Still hurts. What what was the what was the date of our last game, Brian? Do you have that? What the actual uh, date of the game? Was? Yeah, it was. Let's see, October twentieth. Okay, so this was out in the paper. So it was reported in at least this newspaper in Bloomington two days later on their Sunday edition that it was a coin toss that didn't get us in, and I couldn't find anything necessarily about when we learned of it. But obviously, it was not that day. You know, it wasn't Sunday. It must have been a few days later when Coach got the article. I think the boys were turning in equipment, if I remember right. Again, don't that was wow. a long time ago, but that's crazy. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, like I said, it still hurts. I, I don't know. And I mean, you know, I'm sure that there wasn't, but there's your I, new cause, fellas. You can forget about junior high volleyball. Yeah, they've gone cornflip. How do you know? How do you know who was in the room? How do you? I mean, lots well, of yeah, thing. Like wow. Tony said, like. I don't know how you don't call both coaches on the phone and at least not that you, you, you can't have control over it, but you at least could have been a part of it. And one team got to pick heads or ta- I don't yeah, know. I just seen yeah. yeah, that's a better way to do it. And, and to learn that is just to tell about a gut punch of all gut punches. Wow. I mean, yeah. And they never told us, had we not found out that about that article, you would have never, heard. that's mm. crazy. Wow. Well, ended up a good season. Um, I'm sure you've, you've got at least, Billy's stats there for the for the yeah, season. Yeah, I, I got some of these. I mean, you, you going through like uh, Brandon Tully, the junior, was the leading um, ball carrier, uh, 422 yards. Chris Salen, like I said, the fullback was at 325 yards at 4.4 yards a carry, which is pretty damn good for a for a fullback. I know something else I didn't mention is that Josh Young, he he switched to number 24 late in that year. And uh, he started playing playing a little bit of fullback, I think, too, towards the – I don't know if Chris had some injuries, but Josh got a little taste of the running back. I know next year he wasn't uh, – he got uh, – he was majority on the line. But um, Billy rushed for 172 yards, which I was a little bit surprised by. That's that's all he had that year. But his throwing, I mean, he had a fantastic year. 73 of 134, uh, 1,286 yards, averaged 142 yards a game. Um, 15 touchdowns to only five interceptions. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great, great season. We were talking, I got, had Billy, he sent me the stats, not all the way, but we did the, the season with Sean Grisber and I was going through this year and I'm like, holy cow, Sean Grisber, he was throwing for 200 yards a game. So Sean does still hold the single, at least at the time. I don't know what's happened in the last few years, but Sean at the, I think was still, he had like a 1,465 yards or something like that. Did Wampler beat those guys, Gary? You were around there. I don't know. He wasn't. So Wampler had an over, Wampler threw for over 1,000. Billy, of course, two times in a row. Uh, Brady Decker threw for over 1,000. And uh, let's see, that would have been 03. But Sean still is the leader. Jed Wilson, 23 catches for 502 yards. Marin Holtz had 14 catches. Brandon Tully, 12, 12 catches. Um, let's see here. Was this the year that Lawson went to that game, that, yes. that all-star yeah. game in Australia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was also all state. Yeah. Wow. 
Billy, uh, Billy was first team NEC, which Tony knows this. We've been in some of those meetings with the, uh, with Mount Carmel and how they used to really back right. then all the coaches got together in a room and they would basically say who they wanted to put up for first team and not John Hart typically would put up every one of his kids for first team, which no other coaches hardly ever did that. Uh, you know, you, you, it wasn't fair. And plus you knew that wasn't accurate. Well, so he's a prick. I, can't remember, I can't remember their quarterback's name, but uh, Billy wasn't unanimous, but he did get first team all NEC. Uh, Jed Wilson was first team all NEC. Uh, McAdow made it for special teams. Uh, Jim Lawson was uh, unanimous. He was, I think, one of three kids that was a unanimous selection for offensive line and also made first-team defensive line. Uh, Brandon Tellett Brandon was second-team linebacker. Um, Bill, coach Vincent, of the year? I don't think I year? saw that. No, John Hart. You know, I think they went undefeated in the regular season. I think season Bill was so. the next year. Yeah, yeah Hart, got it, Hart got it that year. Um they had that Rafferty kid, if I remember. Yes, right. Chris Rafferty. That's right. That's that. That was the kid that that uh, probably kept Billy from getting getting unanimous because of the way John Hart does it. So, um, you know, like I say, building blocks. This was obviously a building block in the right direction. Uh, Red Hill have a good team here and there, and then it usually fall apart. But this was definitely one that you were going to build on next year. And I'm sure there was a lot of excitement in the air, even when there was as bad as it ended. A lot of excitement going into the next year. There was, and and you know. This has been a while since 88, and now there's a buzz again. Yeah. And uh, and that buzz going to go for a while, right? Yeah, it's going to stick around for a while. We had a pretty good run. And, you know, we had three coaches back then. Yeah. There was a lot of a lot of work that, that we did, and, and that goes to Bill and Chris as much as anything because, you know, when we would play in these playoff games and shake the hands of, eight assistant coaches. Yeah, right. There was a lot of work, and it was all well worth it. I wouldn't trade a bit of it. You're a lot nicer to Lyles on the podcast than he was to you. I'll say that right now. (laughs) I'm a little bit higher moral fiber than he's a little bit trash. (laughs) He's from Kentucky, you know. Yeah, I got you. I know how it is. Well, Gator, uh, it, it had to be a fun season, and like you said, there was a lot of good things to come. There was. It was a lot of fun. It was lots of good runs. Well, it was great to have you on the show. It was good to talk about this season, especially with the with the the anticipation of what what could be, and then, of course, you know how the that kind of weird ending that uh, that we had. So appreciate Tony being here, and and I. I you know, we keep teasing and it's still our most listened to episode. I think it's over. Uh, it's well over a thousand listens now. Um, the Bill Evans episode, which was our first one. And, you still got to uh, do another one with him, too. And we, that's why yeah. I say we keep teasing that we're going to do it. But here's what I would like to do. I would like to get us all in a room at Grace. You, yes. Chris, Coach Evans, Gary, Billy, yeah. and and really, really, you know, just not, well, we, we need to pick up where we left off and talk about that. But really just, just talk about the whole thing and and if you if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it and for whatever reason you haven't gone back in the archives go to episode one and listen to the bill evans episode it it uh, was just fascinating he he's you know you know bill he's a great interview and and that was a great time chip uh what do you think it, like as i think you said it well and you and coach gaither uh um this was going to go, this was kind of the start of it. It was going to go for a while. Uh, this really uh, spearheaded many great seasons 
coming. I appreciate Coach Gates for being here tonight. Yeah. It really added a lot. Having that I want to make sure that, that I want to make sure that I take a moment to commend you guys for what it is that you do. I don't know, you know, you guys get to enjoy each other's company, but I don't know that you realize how many other people get to enjoy your company and how, you know, there's a lot of times where, and I've heard them all where I, I'm like, Oh, you got that wrong. But at the same time, you guys have so much of it, right. And, and you bring up so many good points that frankly get lost. They get talked about in bars and forgot the next day. Right. You probably have cut down on alcoholism in the county. <laughs> Except for maybe your own. I was going to say, right. I, I, we, we record but, these. Uh, but I just wanted to take that moment thank to commend you. you guys for what you do yeah. and tell you to keep doing it. I appreciate thank that. You. that means a lot. Well, we, we, we end every show, though. We, we're going to talk what we talked about. Chip, we mentioned Babe the Pig, his first mention uh, on the podcast. We did. <laughs> Big Green, speaking of movies, and it did have that kid from Sandlot. That yeah, that, the Sandlot. That's where the kid was from. We, we talked I, know, to, I know the movie you're talking about. We talked about the long no drive to Salem. That comes up a lot. Yeah, the Cottage Cafe on Judy Avenue, 746 Judy Avenue. Coolio featuring LV. Song of the Fall for me. I mean, the Charleston House Party where the news <laughs> broke of Salem. Losing to Red Hill. Yeah. Salem lost yeah. home for the first time since 1983 yeah. to Red Hill. And we're not sure mm-hmm. how. The news traveled, but it did travel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Gordo makes its first appearance on the podcast. That's true. The Bloomington Pantograph gets its first shout that out. That sounds satanic. Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Tiger Ellison. All right. Ellison. That's going to do it. On behalf of... Gary Emmons, Chip Jamerson, David King, and our special guest, Tony Gaither. Appreciate you being here. You're always welcome here. And thank you to our sponsors, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House, Andrew's Insurance Agency, and, of course, People's State Bank. We couldn't do it without them. We appreciate that. We will talk to you next time on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Let's go white.